Okay, so welcome back everyone to the uh, Wednesday night VAD on the life-altering, life-changing Torah of Rav Shimon Schwab. Uh, we're going to see a vart, a beautiful vart that he tells us about Parshas Nayach tonight. In Parag Zion, Pasuk Zion, the Pasuk says, Vayavai Nayach Ubana v'ishtay neshebana v'itay ala teva mepnei mehamabu. Nayach and his children and his wife and his wife's, his son's wives came together with him to the Teva because of the Mehamabal, meaning he only entered the Teva because he saw the Mehamabal falling. It seems like he was reluctant to go into the Teva before he actually saw the rain and the flooding begin. So Rashi famously says, Af Nayach Miktane Emana Haya. Nayach too, and this is like a shocking statement that Rashi is making, and everyone in the Mepharshim, uh, you know, try to explain what Rashi means, and tonight we're going to see Rav Schwab's take on it, but this is obviously a very difficult Rashi, that Nayach is being characterized as having Kitane emuna. he was like a, a week in his emuna. Maimon, he believed, but yet at the same time he didn't believe that the Mabel would come. He only actually entered the Teva once the waters, once the flooding began, and they sort of like pushed him into the Teva. He had no choice but to go. But until then, he wasn't really sure, it seems, whether the Mabel would in fact start or not. And that's what the Pasuk means, but Ne Me'amabal, he only came in because of Me'amabal. This Medrash that Rashi is quoting screams to Darshan me, meaning it begs for an explanation. I mean, it's a very hard thing to understand because here he was, 120 years, he was dedicating to his life to building this teva. And when people came to him and said, you know, what are you doing? He'd say, well, there's a mabal that's looming and I have to build a teva. We're going to, uh, the world is going to be destroyed. And if you want, you could do tshuva. You'll get on the teva with me or maybe we could save the world together. 120 years, this wasn't a small, uh, you know, just a little dedication. This is a lifetime's devotion to this cause. And yet Rashi here says that, B'Shem Medrash, that he was a maimon vein a maimon. He was, he was quasi-believing. Doesn't seem to be a, a man that, that's not believing. A man that gives 120 years of his life to building a teva for the express purpose of being spared of the, for the flood so how does this Rashi, how do you understand this Rashi? Before we get to Rav Schwab's pshat, um, just tell you a cute pshat that I saw once, I think it's a Hasidish pshat, it doesn't really fit in well with the diktuk, but if you squint your eyes a little bit, you could get through the Rashi a little bit uh, you know, easier. He's, the, the pshat goes like this, if you look back in this Rashi, over Rashi, af nayach, Miktane emana hayamaimen, meaning he was he believed in the Ktane emana. 
he believed that somehow the world would, would be spared, so he had a belief in the Ketani Amana, Kama, said because he thought that the people would do tshuva and they would be okay in the end, he did not believe that the mabel would come. Not because he didn't believe in the mabel, he believed in the in the ketani emana and the people of the, his generation that maybe they would come around. And therefore, this is a pshat that I saw once, but it's certainly not the pshutai shalmikra. It's certainly not the simple pshat in the. That's not where you put the comma. The Pasha says you put the comma in Af Neamutani Amonaya, Maimon Veena Maimon. He was both a Maimon and he wasn't a Maimon, meaning he was vacillating back and forth. Should I believe? Should I not believe? And this is a very, very difficult uh, Rashi, of course, to understand. The Nira. So here comes Rav Schwab to give us a very beautiful Pshat. It's an interesting, this might be. I don't know if it's the only place, but it's very, it's, I would say it's one of the very few places in his Sefer that he quotes a Hasidish Sefer. Yekas are not known necessarily for their affinity for Hasidish Atira, um, but Rav Schwab here quotes a Nayim Elimelech, uh, an amazing, uh, beautiful Nayim Elimelech. And let's see first what, Ra- what Rav Schwab says himself before he quotes that Nayim Elimelech. Venira. Certainly, of course, Nayach believed in the truth of the prophecy that HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him. Of course he knew that there was a Mabo coming. And he believed that it was going to come. But there is a certain element when we're dealing with the work that a person does to strengthen his Amuna. What happens very often is that what I believe in, I cause to happen. A person can actually believe in something, and his very belief creates a mitzias. Creates a mitzias. Kein chazal, like what chazal say in Sanhedrin, who kafir betchias amesim. A person is kaifer in Trias HaMesim. If you don't believe in Trias HaMesim, therefore you will not be zeichet in Trias If you don't believe in Trias HaMesim, you're not going to be zeichet in Trias HaMesim. Why? If you believe in something, gives it tremendous strength. If you believe in something, it creates that as a metzias. It, it actually, you're giving structure, you're giving a reality to something by believing in it. When you do not believe in something, then you're not creating that reality. I, I think they say, B'Shem, uh, Chaim Shmulevitz, I don't know if he's saying it exactly in this regard, but there was a certain, there was a certain personality in Klal Yisrael that was said to, to do Meifsen. He had, uh, you know, many, many, uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of stories told about him, amazing Meifsen that, that were performed. And, and Reb Chaim Shemulevitz felt that he wasn't really a person that, you know, and if for whatever reason he didn't feel that this particular person who they were saying did Meifsen was really a person that was worthy of doing these Meifsen. He wasn't denying it, he just felt that it wasn't. So they said, okay, but then what, what's going on? I mean, you know, the fact is that 
that he's doing meifsim. What? Meifsim is like he's doing wonders. He's he's performing wonders. He's doing miracles. You know, you know. There's different stories that are told about certain gedolim that you know they you know they knew baruch hakaidish this and that, and they gave the person the right eitzar uh, to do the surgery, not to do the surgery, to invest in this, to not invest. In it. it seems like he was like batting a thousand in terms of what he was doing. And so they asked Reb Chaim "You're telling me that he's not like a person that we should follow, that we should we should believe in, we should you know be a you know am, admire, and yet." There's all these stories that are being told that people are coming away from him with tremendous Yeshua. So how could that be? So he had a famous line. He said that if 10 people believe in a stick, the stick itself could do wonders. I mean, it doesn't mean that the person himself is automatically a goggle just because he does Maisim, but his powers come from the fact that people believe in him. He has a lot of chassidim, and people believe in If you believe in, Samyakarishbrahu gives you a certain ability to perform wonders, even though you yourself are not worthy. It could be a stick. It doesn't, you don't have to be a tremendous tzaddik. It just, if the, and I think this is sort of like what Rav Schwab is saying, that, that when you believe in something very strongly, it creates a reality. Belief creates a reality. Not believing in something sort of takes away the reality, at least personally. In a personal world, if I believe, let's say, uh, you know, you have a munas chachamim. So let's say I go to, uh, to Reb Chaim Kanievsky and, uh, and I ask him for a bracha and he tells me, you know, you're going to, you know, you're, you should be a good bench. You should, you're going to get a shidduch this year. You're going to have parnasa. You're going to, whatever it is that you wanted. And you believe in that. That belief, that amuna that you have in chachamim itself gives you, uh, it makes it into a reality. And if you don't believe, then, you know, you could have the biggest God in the world that's giving you a bracha. You go to Reb Chaim Kanievsky, you go to a Chazanich, you can go to a Reb Shach or anyone, and, and, but if you're like rolling your eyes the whole time, then the fact that you're not having Amuna in it, that undermines the reality. You're, so Amuna either shapes the reality, it shapes the reality, or by not having Amuna, it it sort of destroys the reality, but emuna is very powerful. Emuna is not just faith. Faith sounds like it's something that's in the air that doesn't really have a, you know, it doesn't necessarily have any actual tangible elements to it, but it's not true. Emuna is what gives something tangibility, is what makes something real. The fact that I believe in something makes that, gives that thing a power and it actually creates a reality. If a person does not believe in something, then it sort of undermines any reality that it might have. The Ayim B'Sefer Naim Ali Melech. So, like I said, he's quoting a, a great Hasidish Sefer Naim Ali Melech from Ali Melech Milizhensk, Parshas Bahar, Ala Pasak Vichisaimru, Manoicha Bashan Ashviyas. You're going to say, this is the parish of Shemitah, what am I going to eat? I'm not planting anything on the, sixth, uh, on the seventh year, so what am I going to eat on the seventh year? I'm going to command my bracha to you. He brings, the Elimelech brings from his brother, the Torah teaches a person the dark Hashem, she is shalom bevitchayin el alkav. That you should have total confidence, total trust in Hashem. Ki kasher yipal min abitachin lishal ma'anech. Because if you don't, 
if your trust in Hashem is deficient, if it's lacking, and to the degree that you say, what am I going to eat? What do you mean, what are you going to eat? What about your bitachon? Where did your bitachon go? So as soon as you say, what am I going to eat? By doing that, what you're doing is you are, you are weakening the power of Hashem because you're questioning Him, you're, you're, you're not entrusting Him with your faith. Now, because you sort of stopped the flow by saying those words, so now Kaddish Baruch has to renew the Shafi has to turn the faucet back on. There was a flow before you stopped it. Now that you ask questions, now you're going to, um, you know, you could stop the flow. HaKadosh Baruch has to renew his bracha. That's why Hashem said, okay, Nebuch, because you questioned me, now I have to recommand my bracha. I have to go and, and, and start it up again. After you shut the car, now Baruch has to warm up the engine, start the ignition again of the bracha because you stopped it. So we see that it's not like what we think that, okay, if, I'm, if I have bracha, I have bracha, like let it flow. Hashem is, no, the bracha can only flow if I keep the pipes open. If I shut the pipes by not having proper amun and Hashem, so now it doesn't go anymore. So I have tremendous power with my amuna or lack thereof to control the brachas and everything that's happening to me. Umina, and from here we see shebeloiza if you, if you had not questioned Hashem, then you would have had a shefa that would have continued to flow. So the best thing to do is to have amuna. Amuna bitachan guarantees that the bracha will continue to go as, as it should, as it naturally should. Hashem wants to give you bracha. He'll give you, but you have to have amuna. If you don't have amuna, HaKadosh Baruch will say, listen, if he doesn't believe in me, so, you know, then he's on his own. I don't have to give him bracha if he's not believing in me anyway. So the most dangerous thing a person can do in life is to not have amuna. Having amuna is not just a, a, a good thing as a Jew to do in one of the Yud Gimel Ikrim, but it's something that it's beneficial to have amuna. Not only is it beneficial because, yeah, my life will be happy, I'm going to, you know, I don't have to have the stress of, of, not, of always wondering uh, where my penas is coming from and, and the things that I need and is it going to happen. That's, of course, that's what Chavis, um, Chavis Havavis speaks about how happy a person that has amuna is. But that's not what we're talking about tonight. We're not talking about, of course, it's beneficial to have to the quality of your life to have amuna, but if you don't have amuna, which is something that I don't think the Chavis is necessarily addressing, but if a person does not have amuna, what it does is it stops the bracha. The way that you create the mitzias in life is if I believe. If you believe that you're going to have a Yeshua of whatever you need, that belief itself creates that reality. If a person... Whatever a person needs, you need a, you know, you need a job, right? You need a nasa. So if you have a moon on Hashem, that creates the reality. Your job will come because you believed in Hashem. Because that amuna does something. The amuna creates that what I have a in becomes real. 
if I don't have a muna, then you might get a job, but you also, HaKadosh Baruch could say, listen, I, I don't have to be firmer than him. If he's not trusting in me anyway, he's on his own. Let him get his job, let him get a job by himself. I don't have to help him. And if HaKadosh Baruch is not helping, then we don't really have much in life. So therefore, with this as a, as a background, now comes Roshab and explains the Rashi, and it, it, it's, it's beautiful. The Alkane now we understand, says Rav Schwab, how this works. If Nayach had believed in the Mabel coming, if he would be a Maimon, he's like, okay, one's a coming, it's going to come, any second here, it's coming, it's about to come. That Emunah, if the Emunah is so strong and so vivid, what's that going to do? That's going to bring the mabel. And Muna has the power to, to, to create the reality. Nayak was afraid that if he would be too much of a maimon, that would be very detrimental for the world. If he believed in the mabel so much, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, every day it's chazering a million times, it's coming. He was afraid that that itself would kaviachal push Hashem's hand to bring the mabel. If there was any chance of it not happening, he would be ruining that chance by believing in it too much because the act of belief, when you believe in something, that, that actually brings it from potential to reality. And through doing so, he wanted HaKadosh Baruch should spare the Bria, should spare creation, should spare the universe and not destroy it. So this was a very, very, you know, brilliant tactic that Nayak had. He was like sort of reigning in his amuna. He did not want to have total amuna that the Mabel was coming, because by doing so he was afraid that that would cause the Mabel to come. He wanted to try to arrest the Mabel. He wanted to try to stop the Mabel from coming. So what he did was he sort of was hedging in his mind Maybe it will come, maybe it won't come. Maybe. I don't want to have total amuna. I, I want my amuna to be sort of 50-50 or on the fence because then maybe I could tip it to the other direction that it shouldn't happen. If he believed in it totally, then it would happen, he was afraid. So what he wanted to do was, it's a move, like he was doing a move. He was trying to like not believe in it. He was a maimon vena maimon. He was trying to like rein in his full amuna leave something open to question, like, I'm not sure 100%. Obviously, he believed in the Nambuah that Akash told him that the Mabel was coming, but if he would obsess about it, focus on it, and, and assume that it's definitely going to happen, he was afraid that that would make it happen. By leaving it open in his mind, Maimon, Ve'ena Maimon, back and forth, now maybe it won't come, because I'm not creating it as a full Metzius yet. So what's the problem? So then, okay, that explains, that explains uh, you know, what his calculation was, but why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like, sort of, seems like there was a Tainan Nayach for that. Amnam nitva v'nikra miktani amana. But there was a Tvi on him, there was a Tainan on him, and he was called Ktani amana. Why was he called from the, the, the people that were small in Amunah? Because first and foremost, you have to believe in what Hashem tells you. You can't play games. As Yeshaya told Chizkiyo, the Gemara in Brachas, 
Bahade Kivshe Drachman Alamaloch, Maid Mifakdoch, Iboiloch Lamevad, Umaid Nicha, Kamikutribrucha Leovid. You can't, you can't try to like outsmart Hashem. You can't do shtick. You have to basically trust in Akadish Barhu and do what you're supposed to do. This was talking about, um, I think Chizkiyo didn't want to have children. Right? He didn't want to have Piribu because he knew that Menashe was going to come from him, like a Russia gummer is going to come out of him. So, so he basically didn't, uh, didn't, didn't want to get married, didn't want to have children. And Yeshaya, like gave him Musa for that. He says, how can you? He says, well, I see in Baruch HaKesh, I'm not going to be able to have a, to have a normal child. My child is going to be a Russia. He's going to you know, be very bad for Klai Yisrael. So he was scolded for this. He says, that's not your, that's not your business. Those secrets of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, don't mishara'in, don't like mix in to what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has destined for you. That's not your business. There's a mitzvah for you, peri Barivia, you have to have children, and it's not, the secrets of Hashem is not what you have to focus on. You have to focus on doing what you're commanded to do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, have children, you have to have children. I, but you see Baruch HaKadosh, the kids are not, it's not your business. It's not your place to, to make cheshbenes. And so that's exactly what the Taina Nayak was. Nayak had, he's trying to make the, to outsmart Hashem, like do a, fet, a head fake against Hashem. Like, oh, if I, if I say I have a Muna in the Mabal, it might come. So I'm going to hedge and say, I'll be a Maimon, but ain't a Maimon. And maybe by doing Sakhash so, Brachu won't. You can't, that's, you're like, you're engineering the world of Hashem, like, and that's not your, your domain. You just have to do what you're supposed to do. You got a, you got a nevuah. There's going to be a mabel that's coming. You have to build a teva, and that is something that's very, very. Uh, that that's that's the mission of nayach. Don't start doing shtick and thinking I'll be maimin. I won't be maimin. What what is interesting is that just beyond this vart of Rav Schwab, which is very, very sadistic, It's a good. It's a very good. You say to just. You know, keep in your pocket just to know about this concept about how Amuna shapes the reality. Um, but it's interesting that and I think Rav Shach might say this that the the fact is that Nayach for 120 years built a teva. The teva was supposed to be a, an instrument that would really uh, inspire people to do tshuva. And isn't it fascinating that not a single person was inspired? You think, you know, as always, as, you know, let's say I'm really terrible in Kirov, but I'm doing it for 120 years. I'm bound to get one guy to, to, to buy into what I'm saying. How did Nayach, you know, maybe it wasn't Mr. Charisma, I don't know, but like, you know, there's a person uh, that was Nifter a couple of years ago, or Mayor Schuster. You ever heard of him? He was, uh, they put out a book from art school about him. It's called, uh, I think, A Tap on the Shoulder. He was a, a Yid that he, and I remember him, he was uh, one of the major Kira pioneers, and he would basically hang around by the Kaisel, so from looking rabbi, and, uh, and he would go over to like these, uh, these people that were unaffiliated, these Jews, and he would tap them on the shoulder and say, I think he would ask them, do you know what time it is? You know, just to like start up a conversation, and they would tell him, are you Jewish? The person said, yes. You know, would you like to know more about your religion? Would you like to know Shabbos? Would you like to eat, eat by somebody the Shabbos? And, you know, many of them said, you know, leave me alone. But many of them, surprisingly, you know, said, yeah, I'd love to learn a little bit more about my religion. 
And so he would take them to Eshatara, he would schlep them to Arsameach, he would schlep them, he started his own uh, cure of yeshiva in the old city, I think it's called the Heritage House. And he single-handedly was Makarev, probably tens of thousands of people. One person. It's all he did all day. He just stood by the Kaisal and tried to chap these, these people. A lot of Bali Tshuva, you know, uh, are from him. He might have, you know, he, he might have passed them along to other people, but, you know, to other yeshivas and whatnot. But he was the first, he was the first uh, encounter that they had on their journey to Kirov. Now, that wouldn't be so interesting, but he happened to have been a very, very socially uh, shy person. He was not a cool guy. He wasn't like a guy that had charisma that everybody was like, you know, he wasn't a natural leader. He didn't look cool. He didn't speak cool. He had a, a stammer and he was like not, you know, not at all a person that would naturally be uh, somebody that you think is this stereotypical Kirov guy, like a you know, normally think of like these NCSY guys and they're the, you know, the jocks and they go and they're Lebedic and they, he wasn't Lebedic, he was just like really shy. But he had tremendous Hatzlacha. Nayach, you have to hope that he had, you know, at least, you know, the charisma of a, of a Meishister and, and yet he wasn't able, there wasn't a single person that he, he was able to get to join him on the Teva. It was just him, his three sons, his wife and his daughters-in-law and that's it. A lot of animals, but there were no, there wasn't a single person. I mean, even if they, you say this generation was really corrupt and decadent and all that, but you have to have one. There's one, probably one guy that like you could hop. It's always one guy, right? So what's the pshat? How could that be? And I always thought that the answer was, and I think I saw from Rav that because he was a maimon vein a maimon, as a not with Rav Schwab's fancy answer, but it's a simple answer. That he was a mime man of he, he he thought, yeah, it could happen, but maybe it can happen. And maybe the mabba will happen, maybe it won't happen. When people heard him talk about the mabble, but they also heard a little hesitancy in what he was saying. If he wasn't a thousand percent sure about something, then it's very hard to sell that product to somebody else. If you're coming to my house and you're trying to sell me on uh I don't know, to buy a vacuum cleaner, you know, or something like that. So, you know, unless you're really believing in what you're selling, I'm not going to buy it. If you, I'm probably not going to buy it even if you do believe in what you're selling. But I'm certainly not going to believe in what you're selling if you don't believe in it yourself. And a person has an, an intuition, a person has like a sixth sense to know whether or not somebody really, really believes in it or not. I have this all the time. I, don't, I can't think of any examples right now, but like a lot of times, you know, I don't know somebody tries to sell you on something or pitching a, an idea or whatever, and like you feel like they don't really believe it in themselves. So if they don't believe in it, I'm not going to buy it either. If Nayak was a maimon vein a maimon, so it's not such a power that he couldn't get anyone to listen to him, to agree to, because he, you don't believe in the model yourself. So what are you, are you telling me that I, I should do that? And this is, uh, this is something very important uh, in parenting, something very important in, in chinuch, in, in, in teaching, um, in relationships. You have to be very, very sincere. If, let's say, you're a parent, I mean, it's Hashem, you'll all be parents someday, 
you'll have children, and you know, and the children could smell whether or not you know you're you're believing in what you're saying or not. If you're telling them, you know, about how important it is to daven, but they see that you're schmoozing the whole davening, you're spacing out, and you're falling asleep, and they're not going to buy it. They're not. You're, they're not going to be firmer than you are. If you're if you believe in something, you're passionate about, it, and they could feel that you're passionate then you have a, a fighting chance to really be mashpia on, uh, on somebody else. But if you're not yourself totally you know, convinced about something, it's going to be very hard to sell that product. And that product could be a, a physical product, it could be your business, it could be, uh, it could be Tyra, it could be mitzvahs, it could be uh, anything. Whatever it is that you're trying to convey, it has to be something that you feel yourself. Because when you're feeling it, people will feel it. Mayor Schuster was somebody that people knew he was legit. Whatever you want to say about his ability to speak and his charisma and his ability, but that, that's secondary to the fact that they understood that here's a person, they could look in his face, and in his eyes, and see that whatever he was selling, he really believed in it. There's no other reason why a guy would be standing out day and night by the Kaisal. I don't think he made any money from it. No one was, you know, why are you doing this? You're doing it because you believe it. They say in Mesa with when he, he lost a daughter, um, he, was, he had a, a wonderful daughter, and I think she was hit by an Arab truck. I don't know if it was a terrorist act or it just was an accident, but she was killed like instantly. And uh, it was obviously very devastating. She was like a teenage girl, and he loved her very much, and it was a, a very big blow. And, and then in the middle of Shiva, he was sitting Shiva for her, he sent a letter or he sent a message, a Shiloh to Rabbi Yashiv. Rabbi Yashiv didn't know him, but he said that, you know, he introduced who he was, and he says, I need a heter to leave the Shiva house. I don't want to, it's my own daughter, I love her, but like, I think it would be a bigger schuss for her if I get out of the Shiva house and go back to the Kaisal. And to, I, every day that, that I'm missing, I, I'm, I, I'm missing like tens and tens of neshamas that are just being lost. And, you know, so he was asking for a heter to get up from Shiva, which is a highly unusual shayla, right? Who thinks about that? But he really, really meant it. It was so real to him. So Rebbe Yashiv heard the shayla. He didn't like dismiss it out of hand. I guess he did some research. He found out how, how effective he was in Kirov. But he said to him that you have to sit shiva because it would look very strange if a person just, you know, doesn't sit shiva for his, his daughter. So you have to sit shiva. But Rabbi Yashu was so impressed with the Shaila that he himself, who never was Mevatal Tari, had his set Seder and that was it, never left his Dalad Amashalacha, he made it his business to go and be Menachem Avel personally, by Rameir Shosta, because he was so moved by the Shaila that a Yid has such a, a, you know, a driving, burning mission to save Nishamas. Rebel Yashu himself came to Menachem Avel. He said, such a Yid, I have to Menachem Avel too. And, but that, that's really the ingredient that, that he had. Whatever he didn't have is not really as relevant as what he did have. And what he did have was this this burning desire, this focus, this laser-like focus on this is my mission, this is what I have to do with my life, I have to save Nishamas. He saw it as being like mamash pikuach nefesh. When we see a person 
let's be honest. If you, if we, you know, if we have a neighbor and the neighbor is is machal shabbos does it bother us? Does it really bother us that he's driving on Shabbos, pulling in a? All right, listen. It's, a, it's he made his decision with his life. I made my decision with his life. I, we could, I could respect him, and this he should respect me. Like, it doesn't bother a person. I don't. Most people, you know, you just accepted that that's the reality. What am I supposed to do? Then there are, there are Yechidim that it mamish bothers, like they see somebody, you know, being Mechal Shavz of their Tinaikish and whatever it is, whatever the reality is, but, you know, I, I have to change, I have to, I have to give them over, like, my Messiah, I have to try to show them what a Shabbos is, I have to, like, bring them in, I have to, that's a very unusual person. Such a person that really it bothers to the degree that you invite them over and you try to be makar of them and you send them shalachmanis for Purim and you're, you're like really excited to make another person religious. That's a very, that's, I don't think that's so common. I don't think that's so common. It, that, that person is a person that really is a maimon. He believes in Hashem and he believes in the product that he's, that he's, that he's living. He doesn't, it's not just something that Okay, I'm, I'm from because I was born from, but like I don't really, really buy into this that much. You know, so you're a maimon vein a maimon. But a person that's a maimon mamish that really has emuna shleiman acharishparcho and the mitzvahs and scharva einish and elam haba would bother you to no end if you see somebody that's, that's not keeping Shabbos, that doesn't have the lifestyle that you have, that isn't wearing tefillin every day, that's not, you know, that, that it would bother you. Unfortunately, if we're not bothered by it, that's, you know, we have to work on that, I think, a little bit. But there are people, maybe all of you are like that, that it really does bother, and you're real maminim, and, and, and you would be very effective then in Kirov. If you're a person that really it bothers, and then you go over to that person, and they see that, that you really genuinely care about them, uh, and that's really the premise of this whole, I think, Project Inspire, right? Isn't that what they try to do? They try to, like, take you know, regular from people and make them, don't leave it to the cure professionals, but everybody, you have a work, you know, at the workplace, there's a, you know, you have a colleague or, you know, and you see he's not from and whatever, you try to invite him over for Shabbos, you try to give him shalach give him candles, his wife should have, a, you know, should light candles for Shabbos, Th- different things that you could do to bring them into Yiddishkeit, but that's only people that really hold of Yiddishkeit as, a, as, a, as the reality that it is. But if we're not like really sold on it ourselves, it's very hard for us to like go and sell it to other people. But that's a that's a tremendous insight to learn from Nayach that 120 years he couldn't produce one single success case in all of his cure of efforts because he was a Maimon Bema. He didn't he didn't buy it fully enough, and therefore no one was going to buy it from him. So in life, we have to always make sure that if we're trying to convince other people to buy whatever product that we're selling, we have to believe in it ourselves. We have to own it ourselves. We have to, you know, be people that are so invested in it that when people see us and we're trying to, you know, explain to them how great it is, they have to be able to understand intuitively that you really, really love what you're, what you're saying. You're, you mean it. Because if you don't mean it 100%, if you're like yourself not so clear about it, it's not going to work. People aren't going to be inspired themselves to change their lifestyle either. Okay, nice.